We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike, here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I am doing well, thank you for asking. Um, it is not dooming season, much to the chagrin no. of many, many <laughs> Suns fans. We are not going to doom on this episode. We're going to talk about positive things. Uh, but yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I think uh, whether or not fans are, are dooming right now, the, the media that we're excited to jump on the trade the Kevin Durant trade really seized that opportunity after Kevin Durant went down lots of people going at the Suns depth which we'll talk about because there are issues with the Suns depth and uh, you know even some people just sort of making sweeping declarations on the trade itself after what less than 10 games we knew that was going to happen and I guess the only the only thing I have to say about that is no matter how many people come out and make their sweeping declarations as you put it uh, it's not going to change how I feel about Mikhail Bridges. He is killing it in Brooklyn, and he deserves yeah. every ounce of love he gets. And, you know, I, I understand the viewpoint of fans. Like, right now, I am bummed about the fact that for at least the next two and a half to three weeks, I can't watch Kevin Durant play, but I can flip on Nets games, and he's he's killing it. It it does bum me out, but it doesn't change my views about the trade. It doesn't change my views about um, the the reasons that <laughs> led to us wanting to facilitate that. It's It's still a trade that you do a hundred times out of a hundred so no declarations from me the trade was not made for the regular season the trade was made no for the playoffs and the suns fell short multiple playoffs in a row including a trip to the finals and ex- exactly what they needed is what kevin durant can bring to this team and you know we haven't recorded since the initial injury we did have a patreon podcast but we haven't recorded on this feed since the injury just an absolute freak injury by Kevin Durant just really unfortunate uh for him for the team and for the fans that were there at the arena I feel really bad especially for them and uh yeah two to three weeks was the initial tweet kind of, there's been some level of conflicting information from Shamsharania from <laughs> Woj from 
Greg Moore <laughs> from anyone we, out there who tried to latch on to it. Yeah. We covered that on the Patreon. We don't need to eviscerate Greg Moore again on the no. on the main we'll save feed, that but for the, yeah. But well, yeah, we'll save it for another time, maybe. But yeah. just know that yes, we were disappointed. <laughs> I'm sure he'll say something dumb again. <laughs> he already has. We were disappointed in the coverage of the initial injury for sure. It was it was disappointing in so many ways, honestly. And you, look, I actually think there is there is an interesting conversation to be had about the Suns' depth and and what is happening. And actually, let's do that in just a minute because I do want to just actually mention just Devin Booker first before that because. He's just been playing so well that it's just something that we need to talk about at this point. Um, in the last five games for the Suns, Devin Booker, overall, the entire NBA, in the last five games, Devin Booker is second in points per game over that stretch with 36 points per game, uh, along with seven assists. And I think it's an interesting thing to watch what's been happening with the Suns offense post-Kevin Durant trade. Because it's sort of, you know, you and I have had conversations about what we call the heliocentric offense (laughs) for teams in the NBA. And often those offenses come because of a lack of other types of offensive talent, different players who could attack. And uh, right now, the Suns are sort of set up in a way that the Suns kind of have to play like that. Now, they still, of course, have Chris Paul. And they still, of course, have... DeAndre and we know the current state of what Chris Paul is some nights he can do it really well some nights he's not quite as good you know always can give you up to 10 assists every single game but you can't really rely on him to run the show for you know 20 minutes a night anymore Um, so what I found interesting about this stretch for Devin Booker the increase of points is is interesting but the combination of the increase in points and increase of assists coming at this point of the season I think just shows that, you know, without Mikael Bridges, without Cameron Johnson, and even, you know, players like Campaign, who's not playing very well at this point, and Chris Paul playing as he is playing so far this season, it's just all kind of converged to a point where we're seeing Devin Booker probably bear the most responsibility that we've seen him bear in the Chris Paul era for the oh, Suns so far, and, and he's doing really well with it. That's an interesting way to put it. The most responsibility in the Chris Paul era. And now this all changes, of course, when Kevin Durant plays, but really it hasn't yet because Kevin Durant, even when he did play, wasn't able to play the minutes outside of one game that you would expect him to play going forward. So Devin Booker, and even in that game, which was the Dallas game, Devin Booker still kind of outscored him. I thought Booker's points would go down at first with Kevin Durant joining and that's just not happened. So did everyone. I mean, after the trade, what what is it? Katie's averaging 29 point something points per game, like just a hair under 30. Yes, or on the on the season, yes. On the season, yeah, not with the Suns, but Booker's like at around 27. So, you know, I think everyone thought Katie would come in and, and just efficiency-wise Booker has been next level for the past week, but Katie is still just a hair better from every spot on the floor um so yeah for obvious reasons i think everyone thought katie would would come in and lead but it has been interesting i mean particularly just in the last game without without katie we're seeing just how much everything needs to go right um for the suns to be able to win against uh, good teams I against think. good teams yeah. they can definitely still sleepwalk their way to wins you know like for instance they have one game but i should say we're getting all mixed up here we're like, what are we, five minutes into the pot or something at this point? <laughs> um, you may have noticed 
Apologies for the awkward scheduling this week. We are recording this directly before the Golden State game, so you're probably the vast majority of you are listening after the Golden State game. We don't know what happened in that game. Hopefully they win. If you're um, a patron, we will record probably on Wednesday after the Golden State and Milwaukee doubleheader, and we'll cover everything that happened in those two games. But just caveat there that we don't know what happened in that game. Mm -hmm. Maybe Booker goes off for 80 points tonight. That would be great. Um, but right. just <laughs> if something crazy happens, we'll figure out how to cover it later. Yeah. But just in general, it's like he's handling the ball a little bit more. It's not heliocentric, though, is it? Like, I, I, I think that's like a fine tuned detail, like a little contrast that we, we can make. It's still not yeah. heliocentric basketball. It's right. not. This is not. And what the Suns will look like for the next few weeks. Booker could average 35 points per game. He could average yeah. 40 points per game. It's not Luka Doncic ball. Because Chris Paul is still there. We should maybe have a, a extended discussion about him at some point because he's still frustrating me in some ways. I, I also think he's been quite good in many ways. Um, but he's also frustrating, particularly in the fourth quarter of that Sacramento Kings game where I felt that he had a lot of opportunities to attack closeouts and look for his own shot. And, you know, despite the fact that he had 16 assists in that game, which was great, we needed him to to embrace being more of a scorer, and he didn't. But he is still handling the ball. He is still facilitating the offense. We also continue to see Josh Okoge bring the ball up the floor. Now, is Josh Okoge averaging five or six assists per game out of that, like, playmaking position? No, that's just kind of a quirky way that the Suns can mm-hmm. more easily get into their sets. Or push but the think, pace occasionally. Right, but there's enough versatility, even in this, like, weird assemblage of role players that, that the Suns are currently playing with, that... Booker's shot attempts are up as they need to be, but it's not exactly heliocentrism, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree with that. I, I I just think the difference between pounding the ball the majority of a possession and then one pass to a shooter or just taking a shot at the end is different. The Suns are still attempting to run their offense. I just think the responsibility to shoot at the end of at the end of it has fallen on Devin Booker. Right. More often than not. I also think there is an element of the Suns offense where, and we've talked about it for years, you know, the Suns winning the most games in the NBA last season, but Booker not having, you know, this, the stats that a, a team that is winning less games would have. Uh, there's an element of the Suns offense that is sacrificial where Devin Booker sort of does run things off the ball just to get other guys open, is a decoy in plays, is just going to get double teamed and have to move the ball so he's not able to take all the shots. And, you know, the Suns try to rely on other players to take those shots regardless of who they are, which can be frustrating for some people at times. But what I thought was interesting about the addition of Kevin Durant is that responsibility to to remain the, the sacrifice, if you will, on a lot of these plays kind of shifted over to Kevin Durant, which allowed sure. Devin Booker to be a little bit more free. Now, of course, in the games without Kevin Durant, it's still going to be Devin Booker, but finding ways to still be effective within that is important. But I think you made a good point. It's not it's not necessarily just heliocentrism in that he is taking more shots in the last five games, 23 field goal attempts per game, but that's not that much more. That's just like two or three more. Uh, than his average I think a big change in it is 59% from the field 50% from three that's and awesome, that yeah. I think is is the one of the main reasons that his overall point production went up just because the sheer efficiency of what he's been doing in that time is I think had has had a huge huge impact another thing I think is interesting is you know he's had an amazing stretch but I think his free throws are not up 
Correct Not me really, if I'm no. wrong in the in yeah. the past few games. So field Matt goal attempts Ishbia are up. hasn't made the call yet, I guess. <laughs> uh field goal attempts are up, but free throws are still at like five or six per game. I don't know, man. I just I went on a whole I wouldn't call it a rant, but I did a little thread yesterday on Twitter about Mikhail Bridges' uh second time he's come up in this episode already. So I guess mm-hmm. he's frequently on our minds. Um yeah. he's getting a lot more calls now in Brooklyn and just yeah, I um I think there are a bunch of reasons for that. It's suspicious. Not necessarily all of them are Phoenix related, but I did talk about how it's suspicious. And I would hope that Booker, look, the general point there that I was making was not necessarily that refs target the Suns specifically, especially not in comparison to the Nets, who I don't think are this like big market juggernaut that, you know, they're not the Lakers. Um, But more so just that refs pigeonhole guys. They see a difference between a guy who they expect as as being a fourth or fifth option in, o- in an offense or a guy who is go-to, um, and, and they make calls based on that. It's you know, We've talked about the notion of superstar calls for years, and I hope Book can get some more superstar calls, let's just say, over this stretch where it is going to be very clear to officials on a nightly basis who is carrying the Suns' offense um, and who bears the brunt of the responsibility to take those shots, as you were saying. Yeah. He's a uh, top ten in scoring this season. Now is Devin it's Booker. insane still to me that we're at a point in the NBA. What's he at? Twenty seven per game. Twenty eight per game. Twenty seven point seven average. Twenty seven point seven only gets you top ten in scoring. There are when six I- players averaging over thirty points per game this season so far. Six. It's let just me, insane. Me. I'm gonna read them out: Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, SGA. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Jason Tatum are the six players averaging over 30 per game. It's it's one of those seasons where it's going to be interesting to look back on the overall stats and see if this is the beginning of a trend that goes forward and this is just the new world that we live in where the stats are sort of inflated for su- superstars and you know not in like a fake way or anything because I think these guys are all earning these shots. Or if it was an anomaly, if it was a blip, or even if they make some changes because of, you know, I don't even know what they could uh, attribute it to as far as rules go, but maybe they make some sort of changes. I don't think it's going away. They'd have to nerf a bunch of stuff. Maybe they do make changes, but I don't think it's going away unless they make those changes. As an aside, I just looked up. The first season I started following the NBA because I was pretty young was the 2004-05 season when the Suns won 62 games. Um was that also around the time? That was around the time when you started, right? Like for real? Yeah. To be yeah. a Suns fan? I mean, I've been watching I've been watching probably since, since I was a kid, but the Suns in particular following every game was around 0405 exactly. Around 0405. So so the Nash era um was really when I was old enough to to finally embrace being an NBA fan and yeah, follow along throughout a season and and kind of un- I'm not going to say I knew what I was talking about at like 8 years old or whatever I was, but like, you know, kind of understood things. So 2004-2005 Allen Iverson led the league with 30.7 points per game. Kobe Bryant was second, Mm 27.6. When I started following the NBA, Devin Booker's current scoring total would have been second. (laughs) And obviously you can't, you know, compare apples and oranges a little bit because of pace and all that stuff. But Devin Booker's 27.7 average this year barely scratches the top 10. Uh, When I started following the league, that would have been second. That is just insane to me and it's also insane to think about that amari averaged 26 that season he was fifth in the (laughs) nba even the jump just from 10 to 9 for devin booker i think is out of reach at this point because ninth in points per game is kevin durant who's averaging 29.5 
uh, this season. He, you know, Booker could hold on to that 10th spot and remain top 10 in points per game if he continues to play well uh, throughout the season. Really just has to beat out Donovan Mitchell, who's just below him. Um, but I don't think he could even make that jump. This The scoring is crazy this season of those top nine guys. And, of course, Devin Booker right there with them. And, it, you know, yeah, tonight, you know, we're, we're going to miss it. Bef- you know, we're not going to miss it. We're going to watch it, but it won't be part of this podcast. It'll be interesting to see how he plays on a big stage against the Golden State Warriors. And then, of course, the Bucks in a back-to-back. Brutal. Brutal, brutal fact, back-to-back. No the doubt. The schedule in general, as far as strength of schedule remaining, the Suns are fourth. Uh, have the fourth hardest schedule remaining. I did not realize uh, that. Of any team in the league, according to Tankathon, which is where I found this. Now, the hardest opponents are the Bucks and the Warriors are two of those. So those are just in this in this quick stretch here. The Nuggets twice, the 76ers once, the Kings again, and the Clippers again. They still do play one game against the Spurs, one game against the Magic, two against the OKC Thunder, that weird stretch of the season where they play the Thunder four times in two months for some reason. And then they have a Jazz game and two Lakers games, which... You know, at one point would be considered easy, uh, but the Lakers are going to be fighting for their playoff lives, and those are going to be incredibly important games for the Lakers. Now that brings us to the the question of depth, I think, because look, I think the 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 conversation around depth, I think, is an interesting conversation because the the Suns are the Suns as deep as they were pre KD trade? No, they're they're definitely not uh, as deep as they were pre KD trade. But really, it's just like two for one, right? Because <laughs> Jake Crowder wasn't on the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, and now they have Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's not playing right now, so the issue with depth is obviously a lot worse without him playing. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I would continue to argue because I said, and I feel the need to defend the point, after the trade happened, I think the Suns are exactly as deep as they were before the trade because it was a two for two trade. If we're not including, you know, two guys who are playing this season in Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, obviously you can include Jay Crowder as well, but for all intents and purposes, he wasn't playing, so I'm not yeah, really. Cam Johnson him. barely played too. <laughs> that's really that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, so depth is hurting, and we're going to see it right now for a couple of reasons. That the big reason because KD is out, and the second reason because a few of these guys that I think we can focus on um, are struggling with health or have lost confidence. And, you know, stemming from that, I don't know exactly where you want to start, but I think there's there's actually I know where I want to start. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about Cameron Payne. Um, Cameron Payne missed 21 games this season. Foot sprain. That, I think, is an underrated. I I think I underestimated how difficult it is to come back from a, a foot sprain specifically for a player who excels in the way that Cameron Payne excels. And I'm willing to admit that now. I think that was on me. Um, I had a lot of stock in campaign. I, I think you could even say that I still have stock in campaign, but I think I am selling some of it. And this may be a, a particular point where you had me beat. Um, since Payne returned from the injury, and I think it's been like, I don't know, seven or eight games now, he is averaging 6.6 points, 2.7 assists to 2.1 turnovers. He is shooting 40% from the field, 28% from deep. Um, I think I said this on the Patreon feed last week. But I, I don't think you can identify any single game that Cameron Payne has played since his return from injury, which, again, a few weeks now. Um, I don't think he's had a single, like, clear-cut good game in there. Yeah. I think there have been some games that have been less disastrous than others. But the average result has been bad. And that's tough. Because, yes, he was you playing go down, well before the injury. He was playing really well. I mean, he had a fantastic 
um, stretch as a starter at the beginning of the season that I was super happy to see him in. And I, I don't think it's a stretch now to say that in his three and a half seasons, if you include the little bubble run, that campaign has been a member of the Suns. This is the worst basketball I think he's played. With right. the exception maybe of the Mavericks series where he, he played himself out of the rotation, right? We're back to that level of bad. Yes, the rotation goes down to seven or eight guys in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. I think ideally we were hoping that campaign would be one of those seven or eight guys. Yeah. You need, yeah. A, you need yeah. a backup point guard. I think we just and, wrote um, him in, in, in ink, right? We didn't even pencil him in when we talked about that previously. He was just one of the guys that we said he's definitely going to play. Well, because you think you think about the way that the offense functions right now too, and Booker has been so good, but it's like okay, McHale and Cam aren't there to take those shots anymore while KD's out. Uh, so who, where else are you going to get offense from? You hope for some eight and mismatches, maybe some some pick and roll work. You hope for some Chris Paul stuff. Terrence Ross has actually been really good in the past two games, but the guy who we just haven't seen this entire time, where it would be it would just be great to have the constant downstream presence of Cameron Payne, the penetration. And we just have not seen it at all. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the talk about the Suns' depth would be framed a lot differently if Cameron Payne were just playing well. You know, it changes the outlook of what the bench is so dramatically to have somebody that can handle the ball. And I think that's where I think the conversation about the the depth has sort of... It, it needs to be a little bit more nuanced and what I mean by that is there is players that are good depth pieces when you have Kevin Durant. And that means that their role is so specific and so, you know, set to what they need them to be when Kevin Durant plays. And then if you take Kevin Durant out of the picture, yeah, I, I think it makes sense that those players struggle to do the things that they need to do because now they're trying to sort of approximate what Kevin Durant does. And they're not going to be able to do that. You know, the depth makes a lot more sense when Kevin Durant plays than when he doesn't, I guess is the main point there. You know, and and yeah, Cameron Payne, I think he's such a tone setter for the bench. And when he doesn't play well, I think it impacts him. It impacts the team pretty dramatically. And this is all to say that, and I think you agree with me, and forgive me if I'm speaking for you incorrectly here, but he's still kind of not been great coming back from that injury. And I think you could sort of come to the conclusion that it's related to that, right? And he's still finding his way back into shape, back into rhythm, and figuring out how to play better. But I think the importance of him figuring that out now in these next seven or eight games or ho- however many that we're going to have, we don't really know, before Kevin Durant is back, I mean, th- this would be the ideal time to, to do it, Yeah, <laughs> I I'm, think, for him. I'm, I'm, again, just think about the way in which when Cam is at his best, how he beats you, he is kind of a typical six-man guard in many ways. He beats you with his speed. That's what he's always done. Um, even as a finisher, Cam likes to get to the rim, but he's actually not, even at his best, he's not a great finisher. He typically only finishes with one hand. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't embrace contact. He's not a guy who gets to the free throw line a lot. Traditionally, the way that he's been able to get away with all that is he's so damn fast that if he beats you with the first step, it doesn't matter if he's a great finisher or not. It's going to be an open, you know, largely uncontested layup a lot of the time. Um, and that's how he's able to get those underhand lefty scoops, which has kind of like become his go-to move. All that kind of starts to go away, potentially coming back from a foot sprain, and suddenly the speed on your first step isn't there anymore. And so is that going to return between now and the playoffs? I certainly hope so. Um, but yeah, it's, it's again, I just underestimated how difficult it would be for him to come back from this. Um, the other thing, though, I don't, 
I wouldn't think that a foot sprain would affect the three-point shooting necessarily, um, uh, you know, assuming he has a normal amount of time to recover. So, like I said, only 28% from deep since his return. Uh, I think we would also be talking about him a little bit differently. He's had stretches this year and, and in years previous where he'll shoot 40% from deep over like 10 game stretches or whatever. And I do think we would be talking about him differently if yeah. at the very least he was taking three or four catch and shoot threes a game and making those because that is always a surefire way to make him playable next to Devin Booker in, in multi-guard lineups. Um, even when his finishing is off, unfortunately it's just been a, a, a kind of worst case scenario for him where the finishing is not there right now. And he's struggling with his three point shot. As well. well, and I think the other part too is you mentioned the assists to the turnovers, and that's something he's always been really great in is is assist to turnover ratio. And look, I do think that when Durant was playing, that him finding what his role is going to be within that, because Durant was playing a lot with him in the bench lineups, uh, finding what that's going to be and what his role is going to be is going to be different because it just you yeah. just kind of need Kevin Durant to handle the ball when he's in because he's so good at it. So I understand the idea of the assists going down, but the turnovers going up at the same time is not ideal. <laughs> He's got to find a way to be effective with both of those things. Now, having said that, there have been 15 players who have played since Kevin Durant was traded to the Suns. 15 players, which is everyone on the team. So far, five players in that time are in the negative in plus minus over that stretch. Since Kevin Durant was traded to the team, so it's a quiz for you. Do you want to guess who those five players are who are in the negative? The Suns, by the way, have won the majority of games since that trade. Do you want to guess who those five players are? Is Cam one of them? He is not. And that was okay. the clue that I was going to give you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so five players. I'm going to guess. <laughs> um, Baisley, definitely in the negative. Baisley is minus 15 in 17 minutes played since yeah. he's joined the Suns. Yeah, that's tough. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get the, the Baisley hive after me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the I order in which that you guess these is going to say a lot about how you feel about players on the team, I think. I didn't mean to set you up like that. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, TJ? Correct. Okay. TJ? Jeez. Uh, you know, after that, it's actually kind of... it's. I feel like it's not necessarily how I feel. Terrence Ross? Is Correct. he Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel um, like those three were the, I think, the most telling uh, and, and then, probably the easiest to guess. I'm just, okay, Tory Craig? No, the other two, I'm just okay, going to tell you because they're such low minute getters here because it's all out of all 15 players, Sabin Lee and oh, Bismack Biombo. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's fine. Bismack Biombo has played like 10 minutes <laughs> in that stretch, so unfair to him to even put him on this list, but... I think the other three is the three the three players that I wanted to have a conversation about. Can can I just can I say mm-hmm. one more point on campaign before we wrap sure. that up yes, entirely? Of course. Um, and and I guess this kind of you can apply this broadly for everyone before we get into these other guys. It's just last thing on campaign. He's so hard on himself, and we've seen shots of him like beating himself up on the bench before, and it's been reported by various guys who who cover the team mm-hmm. um, that this is just traditionally a guy who's very very hard on himself. I just hope that there is real leadership in the way that the Suns approach this situation, that guys are talking yeah. to him in the locker room. And, well, Mikel's not there, and they were close. I know, and I think this is a case, and I think he was close with Cam, too, for the record. So yeah. positive encouragement here, um, positive reinforcement, I, I I think that goes a long way with a guy like Cam. I don't know him personally, you know, <laughs> but I, I just, this, he's... Maybe not the traditional Chris Paul method of leadership is is not necessarily what campaign 
uh, needs to be able to play at his best for the playoffs is all I'm saying. I'm sure Monty has a close relationship with him and they're working on that. But um, you really need to keep his confidence high if you can so that he can rebound for this from this. And, and I still believe he can, but with the right approach, that's all. Yeah. Yep, I agree with that. You know, we're in an interesting inflection point for the Suns. Um, you know, I brought up these three guys that I wanted to talk about, which are TJ Warren, Terrence Ross, and Darius Baisley. We don't have to have a long Darius Baisley conversation here because I just don't have any faith that he's going to be an important part of the Suns team going forward. You know, if you if you think that he is, I respect your commitment to, to just believing in guys like that. Um, but the other he's two guys... The, he's think, the new... Dwayne Washington Jr., which is not to say that we hated Dwayne Washington Jr. either, and we don't hate yeah, Darius Yeah, but Basie. Dwayne Washington just... Jr. was mostly bad on the court <laughs> as well. Right, That's <laughs> what, but that, that's yeah. what I'm saying, is, is yeah. people, especially this Suns team, this iteration of the Suns, where James Jones sells all our draft picks, mm-hmm. people want to have hope in a project, and I don't blame them for that. It's just, I look, personally, I don't think Darius Basley is it, if you're looking yeah. for that. I agree. But the other guys, I think, it's the my point about it being an interesting point for the Suns is that without Kevin Durant on the team, the Suns need offense right now because they're just struggling to find it. Now, one of these guys has shown good offensive outings for the Suns so far, and that's Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross has had some great games offensively where he's just hitting shots over and over and over again. TJ Warren has yet to do that. Hasn't gotten a ton of minutes, but does not look good in the minutes that he's played offensively. And you made def- you've made that point known. Yeah, one I would mean, argue in our in our in our playback streams. You've made it yeah. known when he checks and into the game. He should, both of them check into the game and immediately start fouling. And this is, I think, the interesting part for both of them is that in order for them to play when Kevin Durant is back, they have to play well defensively. Neither of them have at all. <laughs> And both of them have been just bad, like really, really bad in some yeah. cases. Foul machines, losing their men, uh, not guarding well in space, leaving shooters wide open. That was a Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross is either leaving a shooter wide open or fouling a star player going or, to the rim. <laughs> or miscommunicating a switch. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough because I think we are at the point where in the way that you want them to earn their minutes when Kevin Durant is here, which is just fighting really hard defensively. They don't have to be great. They just have to know where they need to be and be there most of the time. You know, we kind of need them to do other things now because you have to make up for those 29 points that are missing from Kevin Durant. And it's going to be a tough stretch without them. And uh, I'm interested to see how Monty handles it. You know, I, I'm not really sure well, what he's going to do. I, I, I have a theory that I don't think people are going to want to hear, but he may just be biding his time. I think Terrence Ross is going to continue to play. TJ, it's been a tough situation. He hasn't played more than 13 minutes. He's made six appearances with the Suns out of a total of like 10 possible games or something since the trade. Hasn't do, played do more you, than, hasn't played more than more 13 minutes. more fouls than points? <laughs> I'm, I'm, no. Well, he actually, <laughs> actually, maybe he does. Okay, he does. I looked. I looked at that exact set. He doesn't. It's close, though. He played just four minutes the other night against Sacramento. That's four minutes. KD is out, and you can yeah. only get four minutes. He 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 played one stint at the start of the second quarter. Monty clearly did not like the defense he saw, and he pulled him. What I was gonna say though, the way that Monty might handle this is he bides his time until KD comes back. We still haven't heard any updates about this other guy, but he goes back to all reliable 
which is Landry Shaman minutes. And you can, you should you could make the case that that's smart. <laughs> I don't I, look. I, I really don't know. I mean, look, we're seeing how what what is Shaman's injury? Is that also a foot? Yeah, or is an ankle? Yeah, um, that's a good point. It's a good point. So we'll see. I mean, we're seeing how Cam is playing off of rehabbing that type of injury. So I don't know if Shaman will be ready either. But all reliable for Monty is <laughs> fuck the rest of these guys. I'm playing Landry Shamit. Does Landry Shamit have a middle name to make it more dramatic? He'll play Landry <laughs> Shamit. Uh, I'll look a, a solid. A so- I'm, I'm typing as I speak. A solid 15 Michael. To 20 oh, no. Playoffs. He'll play <laughs> Landry, Landry Michael Shamit. Michael Shamit to the rescue. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, yeah, I mean, if that doesn't make you feel great sitting at home, I get it. (laughs) That's not (laughs) ideal. Um, But, uh, but, you know, it's just the starting five, when healthy, is going to be so damn good for this team in the playoffs. And we're going to continue to maybe struggle to identify Yes, we know that ultimately we want an eight-man rotation, but who are those three guys? I think Jock Landale is one of those guys right now. Yeah. I think he's the center. Um, who are the other two guys? Pick out a hat out of a hat. Hey, you mentioned earlier that we should maybe have an extended conversation about Chris Paul. And I'm curious what you were alluding to in in that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, t- I touched on it earlier. He's, he just pissed me off. And again, I don't want to, because people are going to hear this after the Golden State game, maybe plays really well tonight. Um, yeah, he, just so. pissed, he, he pissed me off in the Sacramento game. People were responding to me on, on Twitter after I kind of complained about it, saying, uh, you know, he took nine threes in that game. But to me, it was like when when the Suns needed points most in that game in the fourth quarter and at a point in the game where their process became really important. Booker was handling the entire offensive load. Chris Paul was getting wide up wide open threes um, or opportunities to, to attack closeouts. And he was just hesitating. And we just can't have that. He was approaching the game in the way that Chris Paul normally does, the way that he does this entire season, and the way that he will, and it'll be great in the playoffs with Kevin Durant. Um, but right now, for these next three weeks, we just need to need him to have a slightly different role. And and yeah, that's that's all it is. I think it's possible. I guess in general, it's possible to take 13, 14, even fifteen shots in a game. Like the box score really doesn't tell you everything, and still have watched that player play 35 or 40 minutes and say, oh, they're they're passing up looks. They're not taking what the defense is giving them. 
they're being too passive. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, depending on the, the particular talent level of the player, but it's also possible for a player to take six shots in a game and say, that player took dumb shots and was too trigger happy. And I think this was just an example of Chris being too passive. I don't care how many shots he had in that game. It's just, um, where are you going to get offense right now? It's Booker. Yeah. It's Aiton. Mm -hmm. And it's Terrence Ross. Yeah. That's your entire offense. So, so Chris needs to step up that a little bit with his shooting. That's, that's all. Uh, I agree. And uh, I want to mention some, something about a different player, but before I get to that, just to really hammer home the point of Chris Paul turning down shots, do you know what he's shooting on catch-and-shoot three-point attempts so far this season? Is he shooting like 40%? 50.7%. That's crazy. <laughs> on catch-and-shoot three-point attempts from Chris Paul so far this season. You can't turn him down, Chris. And he's getting, look, he's getting more corner three-point shots than he's ever gotten, which is still not many because he's never in the corner. But 50.7 on catch-and-shoot three-point attempts is makes that basically one of the best shots in the NBA. Now, he's only shooting 1.5 per game. It's yeah. not enough. It's just not enough when Devin Booker's handling the ball as I much also, as he is, but it's definitely not enough when it both Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are in the game. In that Kings game, I think he was two for nine, so he took a lot of them, mostly pull-ups, more so than catch-and-shoots. But, like, I don't Yeah, he's care shooting when they go under, which is a new thing for him. As he should. Yeah. I don't care if you're 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 either. Like, you're Chris Paul. You're not Josh Okoge. Okay, Josh Okoge takes eight threes in a night and he misses all of them. Bring in Ish Wainwright. Tell Josh, you know, better luck next time. That's a role player. You're Chris Paul. You're a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, we, we, need, we just need him to, to take those shots. That's all. Okay, let me just ask you one other question tangentially related here. Are we just... Are we just past asking more from DeAndre Ayton? What do you want from him? I mean, this is kind of the point I'm making is that neither of us even thought to even ask for more at this point, right? I, I mean, it's not just it's not just a team without Kevin Durant, right? It's a team without Kevin Durant, Mikael Bridges, Cameron Johnson. You know, you have to think about it that way. Now in these in this stretch when we need more offense we're just past it, I guess, right? Because neither of us are saying he needs to do more because I don't know if that really benefits the Suns well, necessarily. He can score yeah. more because the ball will find its way into his hands more just because there's not other offensive options. But doing more, meaning, you know, building the offense around him more is just not something that we're asking for anymore. I think we're just past that now, right? I think, yeah, I think it remains to be seen what's going to happen, though. I mean, to your point, he had 22 points against Sacramento. They lost that game. That... It very much does not tell the whole story but contrast that to the experience is all i'm saying between the previous few games before that when kd played and we were talking about on our last episode how how Aiden just had a stretch where he was taking only like five or six shots per game mm -hmm. um, it was kind of it's kind of the least involved he had been on offense uh in in kd's first few games maybe ever <laughs> like yeah uh, the, i mean i had a point where i was wondering who would average more for the rest of the season out of him or josh Kogi. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I think that's fair. Um, I think now we're not going to see that because definitely over the next few weeks, I think Aiden should be averaging basically 20 and 10. Yeah. Um, does that necessarily make them a better basketball team? No, and it really depends on the matchup. But there you have it. I mean, look, yeah, at this I just, point, I just at, at, at this point just, mm -hmm. efficiency doesn't matter for me so much. Like we talk about, but like run your offense and, and get him the proper looks. 
but we also yes we we, we just have to make peace with the fact that there are going to be a lot of eight and mid-range jumpers in the offense for the next few weeks and that's fine because who else is going to take the shots you know would yeah. you rather have the eight and mid-range jumpers or the ish wainwright contested threes well i hope both of those guys kill it against the Warriors and both of us sound dumb having this conversation <laughs> to most of the people who already watched that game. <laughs> Again, I like some people are dooming. I'm not I'm not no, me there. Neither. Me neither, yeah. I'm I'm really not there. They're th- this team is the fourth seed right now. And I don't give a damn about the strength of schedule. I heard all of the teams that you rattled off earlier and I'm not going to say it sounds like light work. That's an exaggeration, but to me, it did not sound that scary, especially when you mentioned the Nuggets twice. Nuggets don't scare me. Well, let's let's say, I mean, the Nuggets games, at least one of them should have Kevin Durant. But let me just read through the schedule real quick, and then we'll get to some questions that we got in Discord. Uh, Warriors, most of you know the end of that game. Bucks, back-to-back. Real tough back-to-back. Probably the, the toughest part of the schedule here. And then we got Orlando, OKC, LA, Lakers. Sacramento, Philadelphia, Utah, and I think that's the extent of the games that we can guarantee Kevin Durant will miss. Then we have Minnesota, Denver, OKC, San Antonio, Denver, Lakers, Clippers. We end with back-to-backs against LA. Well, a day between them, but uh, two LA teams at the end of the season. And I think, you know, most of those teams are teams that are, and this is sort of the the fact of the uh, play-in, but most of those teams are playoff hopefuls at the very best as well as playoff teams i think you could say okc orlando are basically the only ones san antonio and san antonio are basically the only ones that aren't so it is a tough it's a tough schedule (laughs) you know it's not completely easy but you know not a lot of contenders in there philadelphia milwaukee i think are really and then denver (laughs) sorry to completely disrespect them there and then maybe the clippers at the end but that speaks to the entire point is yeah this is the weirdest NBA season ever. It doesn't it really feel is. like yeah. there are a lot of good teams in there. There are a lot of good teams that could come in and kick the sun's ass if they're not giving effort on the proper night, yada, yada. But how many contenders are there right now? We The Nuggets are number one, but we're not afraid of them. Um, the Grizzlies, Woj just announced that Ja is uh, still without timetable for return because he just checked into counseling. They're, they have all sorts of issues right now. So certainly, and, and the Kings uh, are great. They're having a great season, and they rightfully beat us the other night, but they're not a team that, like, when I see the Kings on the schedule, I, I, I don't shiver down to my core at the thought of playing the Sacramento Kings. It's just not like that. So the teams that I actually think are just so great going into a game against them right now are probably the Bucks and the Celtics. Is like, I feel like, and even the Celtics have struggled yeah, a lot the recently. Bucks, but, the Celtics. The Knicks per- have been good. The Knicks have been great. Particularly the Bucks are the team where, Knowing that that's, even though it's at home, knowing that that's a back-to-back tomorrow, you just know that you have to fire on all cylinders or you don't have a chance. Yeah. Specifically Devin Booker. (laughs) Anyone else you got a chance against? Yeah. I think it's fair to say. So why do? I think it's fair to say. Yeah. I think it's fair. Uh, Now, I asked on our our, our Discord about uh, some topics that people wanted us to get to on this podcast, being that... I think we were just at a point of the season where the topics were a little bit light. Not a lot of news post-trade deadline, so, um, and not a ton of basketball between our last episode and this one. So we asked on there. We got a few questions. I think the main conversation continues to be around the standings and where the Suns are. And we'll, We touched on that a little bit, and we'll see how we get to them here now. Uh, somebody mentioned 
potential playoff matchups now without Kevin Durant. So this is basically a conversation about where the standings are. So let's let's talk about that because somebody and I think we'll just wrap both of these questions into one because another one was who will make the play in tournament. And I think these are both standing conversations. So let's get to both of those. Have you been keeping an eye on the standings? So yeah. You, is this an everyday thing for you now? I hate to admit it, but it is. Yeah, me too. We're, I was I'm just, I, we're there now, right? I was hoping I wouldn't be here, but honestly, I've been here for like three weeks. Just check the standings every day because why not? Yeah. And, um, you know, every day a few teams flip around and I I should know better <laughs> than to yeah. think that. But But here we are every day. Yes, so right now it's Nuggets, Kings, Grizzlies. Now, this could change, obviously. It's going to change at, at a certain point. But the the 4-5 matchup is now, right now, Suns-Clippers. If the Suns maintain the fourth uh, seed here, that's what it would be with the Suns having home court advantage in the first round. Now, they are three and a half games out of the third seed. Now, the Grizzlies continue to win. They're actually 6-4 and four in their last 10. The Suns are better, 7-3. and three in their last 10 in that same stretch, but I don't think it's guaranteed that the Grizzlies are just going to drop without jaw. They just seem to be playing okay. And, uh, you know, the Suns could catch them uh, at a certain point. They also have one more game against the Kings where they could win the tiebreaker, meaning that all they have to do is tie with the Kings to pass them in the standings. But the Kings are tied with the Grizzlies with the same record at the point of the recording of this podcast. What do you think the most likely scenario is for the Suns? It seems like four or five, right? Yeah, four. I, I, I think they can stay at four. They still have a two-game lead over over the Clippers for now. Obviously, that's a crowded field. Um, but I would say four is most likely. Uh, truth be told, five probably feels more likely than three, right? Yeah. Moving down a spot feels more likely than moving up a spot. Right now, doesn't mean they can't move up a spot. They absolutely could. But uh, we are we have 15 games left. 14 if you're listening after that Golden State game. And uh, yeah, right now we're three and a half back. So it's a little tough. Well, I think that makes the most likely opponents for the Suns. There's like four, right? That we could say are the most likely ones. That that Clippers, Warriors, and I think the Warriors have a good chance of passing the Clippers relatively soon, which would mean that 4-5 matchup would sort of be the Warriors and the Suns as the season goes along. And then there's the Timberwolves and the Mavericks. The Timberwolves playing pretty well. I mean, they're four and six in their last 10, but they have moved up in the standings over the last, you know, the aggregate of the last month or so where they were in the play in. Now they're not. It seems like, well, they are, but they could kind of get out of that range um, if they play well enough. And the Mavericks have kind of been sinking. Mavericks Mavericks are three and seven in their last 10, but they could kind of put together a stretch at the end of the season to climb. They're not completely out of it. You know, the, the difference between the Clippers and the Mavericks is just a game and a half at this point. You, so like that big grouping is the most likely if the Suns end up in the four or five. Uh, rank those four teams for me in terms I, of preference to play in the yeah, first round. Well, I would say Timberwolves probably one. No doubt. Number Timberwolves one, right? are yeah. one. Sure. Yeah. And you know, they, you know, like I said, four and six in their last 10, but they've been a weird team without cat for the majority of the stretch. Uh, also, Chris Paul guaranteed to beat Rudy Gobert. In the <laughs> yeah, that's that true. helps. That's true. He's only <laughs> lost a few games to him, and that's pretty lopsided. Um, and then I would probably—I I hate to say it—because of uh, just the 
existential dread. That oh, I comes know exactly. With it, but yep. the um, Dallas Mavericks, right? The Dallas Mavericks are number two. I'm in exactly the same boat, and and I'm afraid of the bad juju of that matchup or whatever. But yeah, they're number two. I, I I'd rather play the Mavs than definitely the War. The Warriors are more seasoned. The Warriors the Clippers, are the team so the I'm afraid of playing the most. I think I'm. God, I'm such a stereotype. I'm a a, a toss up between. <laughs> <laughs> those are the last two the clippers yeah. might be the team i least want to play and they're currently the team that we would play see for me i feel like i feel like i would feel more like that if the suns had kevin durant for the stretch but the combination of the lack of chemistry with the suns and the chemistry that the warriors can kind of just pull out of their ass at this point it's true is just a little bit more frightening. To you know, one me. whereas one the Clippers have been better all season than the Warriors. That's true. Both of these teams, I think it's important to note, like are also have continued to struggle with availability of certain players. I think an interesting storyline right now is Andrew Wiggins, who's um, been out for around the last ten games, I think, for the Warriors with personal reasons. And I don't know if you saw the report the other day. A reporter asked Steve Kerr the question of when he would be returning, and it sounds like they just whatever he's going through must be uh, relatively serious because it doesn't sound like he's returning anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. That's But but also to your point, I mean, Andrew Wiggins was so critical to their championship run last year, but maybe they could just pull a second or third round run out of their ass without him playing Dante DiVincenzo 35 minutes. It would be yeah. weird to me, but maybe they can do it. If any team can do it. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of one I mean, that I mean, you don't they... question a little bit. Yeah, they they've earned that respect. They're they're the team that's earned that respect. On the I think flip we side can that, I think we can agree any of these four series sound thoroughly toxic <laughs> in the first round to me. <laughs> any of the four sound sound absolutely delicious. <laughs> Should be fun. Yeah, the biggest fan base by far is the Golden State Warriors. And Golden smallest, State would the be the smallest has to be the Clippers, right? Yeah, uh are we sure? That they're smaller th- than Minnesota? <laughs> I think they might be, to be honest. Yeah, they might be. Yeah. You know what's I mean, weird is I have beef with certain Clippers, uh, like, checkmark accounts. Mm-hmm. But to your point... Farbod, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to name names. Yeah, I'm fine with This it. is the main feed, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he's universally loved and we're insulting someone. <laughs> save the call-outs for the, for the Patreon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um... I don't know, like, I don't know of particular Clippers accounts that are like Kawhi season or said, like, you know, I'm not, I don't know yeah, well-known like Clippers fan fans. Like yeah, Shane the Young's fan cool. Shane's yeah. awesome. I'm they just saying. good media guys too. Usually there's like a couple of fans of most teams that I follow, not necessarily just checkmark accounts, like beat reporter types, but just like fans. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of, this is an annoying word. Isn't like Vince Staples the Clippers fan. Vince Staples, a Clippers fan. Is that Vince? Am Staples, I making that up? Uh, you might be making that up. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm gonna look that up after this. Uh, the other side of that conversation, the other side of that question was who's gonna make the play in, and I think this is interesting because right now, twelve games back are the twelve games back from first place, meaning like a virtual tie, same exact record right now as a point of the of this record are the Timberwolves and the Mavericks, and then thirteen games back. Are the Jazz, the Thunder, the Lakers, and the Pelicans with the Trailblazers just two games behind that? Trailblazers, by the way, 31 and 37 with the season they're that out. Damian Lillard is having. They're probably they're out, out, but it's just an absolute travesty what they've yeah. done to that man in his career. 
<laughs> it's just I cannot believe it because he this, is. I mean, po- this is possibly his best season he's ever had, and the team is awful around it feels, there. And they, just, it feels, and they have no assets to fix it. To make a historical comparison, it feels very Tracy McGrady on the Orlando Magic esque of like, yeah, yeah. here's here's yeah. a guy, here's a superstar at the absolute prime of his career, breaking scoring records, whose team is just dog shit. And uh, it's going to severely... I mean, the, on the one hand, you can't feel too much sympathy for Dame because this is the path he chose. Uh, but going forward, he can either stay there or he can do what McGrady did and, and try and find success elsewhere. It didn't work out too well for T-Mac, but it might significantly affect the way that we view Dame's legacy. Damian Lillard is in an abusive relationship at this point. D- but... <laughs> It's nice. They are taking advantage of his loyalty. He makes $50 million a year. And dude, (laughs) it's it's nice to be when you're concerned with raising a family. It's nice to be in one city for 15 years (laughs) is the thing that so many people take for granted. So many of us regular Joes who do live in cities for 15 years at a time. The idea of not needing to move every year or two. It's true. It's a certain loyalty that Portland can afford Dame because he has that status with the organization it's it's hard to rock the boat it really is but yes lakers, if he's concerned with winning championships he needs to request a trade no doubt are the lakers gonna make the play-in uh they're yeah, just they outside pro- of it based on like tiebreakers right they now, probably are because of the four teams there that you mentioned they're the ones who are playing the best right now seven it, and three yeah it bothers me that no, they are same. but they probably are yeah i think they are too well who's gonna drop out you think because right now it's wolves mavs jazz thunder I think By the Utah's, way, Mavs are the worst out, out of this team as of late. The Mavs I, could drop out of the play-in. That's yeah, a possibility here. No doubt. Um, I'm going to go with Utah. Yeah, it seems like it, right? But I just, I don't know. It's weird to bet against them because, I mean, they would almost have to do it on purpose at this point. They, they just continue to play relatively well. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with it's them. It's between them and OKC because I don't know if either of those teams really want to be there (laughs) so does that (laughs) mean that the lakers and the pelicans could potentially leapfrog those two teams is what you're saying sure Uh, now i play in could be timberwolves mavericks lakers pelicans that would be interesting i I would gladly though rather watch a 9 10 game between the jazz and the thunder uh, and sleep very well knowing that the lakers and pelicans are sitting at home (laughs) but it's not a guarantee yeah, that would be kind of fascinating to see. LeBron, I don't know when he's going to be back, has been injured. They've been playing relatively well without him. And look, he can come back and they can play even better. And that would be an interesting thing for a team like the Nuggets if they end up playing against them in the first round. Um, Let's see. Any other thoughts on the standings as they currently are? We didn't talk about the East, but I guess there's not too much to cover there. Yeah, I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, Let's see. Here's Here's a question. From the Discord, how much stock do you put into these games without KD after we've seen the team in the three games with him? Um, and, you know, the question is basically, do you feel confident about the team with Kevin Durant right. just from three games? Um, yes. I Me still too. do. Yeah. I, I still do. I, I'm mostly just bummed that, you know, we don't get to enjoy the pleasure of watching KD on a nightly basis. Um, yes, I would like to see them mesh and, and whatever, but frankly, I don't think they need that time. It's I think they need a, they, he needs he needs a few games of a warm up period before the playoffs. But it's he doesn't need I don't think he needs ten games before you the know, playoffs. Charlotte 
Chicago, Dallas, right? Those are the three games. All three of those teams kind of defended the Suns a little bit differently. It was kind of like as far as a scenario of the Suns coaching staff sort of collecting data and trying to make plans depending on how teams defend the Suns in the playoffs. It was not the worst situation as far as the three games that they played. Charlotte, you can (laughs) kind of throw that out. Uh, Chicago kind of played the Suns relatively straight up, started trapping about halfway through that game, forcing the ball out of the hands of both Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. The Mavs had a really disciplined defensive scheme of just not guarding the fifth guy on the floor and even extended it to the point of not even guarding Chris Paul, right? They were just kind of using five guys to guard DeAndre and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and daring the other two guys to shoot. And look, and the ideal scenario is the Suns get a ton of reps against different kinds of defense. But I do like that the Suns kind of had, the Mavs kind of played the Suns, I think, closest to how teams are probably going to play the Suns in the playoffs defensively. It was a good scenario for them to try to actually figure that out. I think, you know, and, and as far as the coaching staff goes, I think they're going to have pretty good plans. They implemented a play (laughs) in the very next game that used Ish Wainwright as a screener, that kind of thing. Their plan is all reliable. The pl- I'm telling you, Mike. I'm just saying, prepare yourself. <laughs> it's to not pl- the worst plan, man. I'm, I'm keep just, saying it. I'm just Landry trying to prepare. Michael Shamit. Landry, it's not the worst plan. Landry Michael Shamit is the plan. That's the He's, plan. Because you have to guard go, his he shot. He fits the best, right? I don't know, man. He's in the corner, just standing there in the corner. He's going to shoot 37, 38% from the corner and yeah. not be just completely terrible defensively. Still the pigeon, of course, but not I do be like, a complete re- like liability the way Terrence Ross is. We Look, I, all I'll say, we've seen the screening recently from Josh Akogi. It's something we've talked about on the pod. The screening that you were mentioning from, from Ish Wainwright as well. Um, I hope that those guys can find ways to just hit their shots and be a little bit of an off-ball presence and stay on the court. I hope it doesn't come to us having to scramble to find every single game who's going to be the fifth guy. It's going to be a different guy every game. I hope that's not the case. Uh, slightly related to, I think that Ish Wainwright should take most of Tory Craig's minutes going forward. I, I, I look if it's a if it's a question of who's going to play out of those two guys at the end of a game, they need to try something other than Tory Craig. I, I'm sorry, I feel like I've harped on Tory Craig all season. He doesn't work in starting lineups. He doesn't work against great teams. It's just he's too much of a wild card when it comes to making massive mistakes offensively or defensively. And I think Ish Wainwright has sort of earned enough trust to be that guy in some of those scenarios. Just just getting minutes over Tory Craig, uh, you know. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I feel bad for Tory. Conversation. I- I feel like he's lost confidence too. And you know, it was kind of working with him coming off the bench. You know, you saw what he was supposed to be in a short stretch there where he's just an energy guy off the bench, like he's meant to be. And yeah, he's just been thrown into so much situations that is just not really what he's there for this season in a way that has impacted the Suns negatively. And I hope that, uh, Look, he's like at this point he's not all reliable, right? <laughs> he's all well, he kind of unre- is, he kind of is in a way. <laughs> he kind of is in a way though because he's he's been one of the only guys who's always available this season. That's true. And he he's gets the new beat Iron up Man, in every game. If you will. Yeah. All right. Uh how many minutes a game do you think the starters will play in the playoffs? Now, we've covered this briefly. Durant 
historically plays over 40 and so does Booker. Yep. Yeah. They're going to play Chris only of plays like 34 to 36 in the playoffs maybe is what he did last year. Yeah, the Pelican series I think was the outlier when it comes to that, but yeah. That's fair, that's fair. Mhm. Uh, ideally, yeah, you squeeze 40 minutes out of all of that. Uh, uh, okay, also, I'll just tell you right now, DA, I think they're working to get his conditioning up. He's not going to yeah, play Yeah, they're 40 playing minutes. him a lot. He's they're not going to play 40 minutes in the playoffs because either, no. either he runs out of gas first or he gets into foul trouble. It's just not going to happen. So one of Jock or Biz will be playing, probably Jock if we're being honest, uh, will be playing like 12 minutes per game unless they go to small ball five lineups. That's Yeah, just and happen. I think they will end up going to small ball five lineups as well. So we'll see. Uh, how those minutes are distributed, but I do think there are, there is a scenario where Devin Booker and 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 Kevin Durant do play a lot of minutes together. But you know, Devin Booker sort of resting on the court is a lot more likely with Kevin Durant than it was before. In that he can stand thirty five feet away and just spread the floor on one play, and then the next play Kevin Durant could do it, where they're not exerting as much effort offensively as they were previously because of the existence of the other superstar that's on the floor with them. So, you know, they'll play a lot of minutes, I think is the main thing because this team like it just doesn't have the depth as far as what they do, you know, offensively that they did previously. So they kind of need to Josh Akogi as well. If he's hitting his shots, he could play, he might play 45 minutes. Yeah. He he could have have the whole game. Yeah. Cause he will match minutes or Monty will do his best to match Akogi's minutes with, um, star players on the perimeter on the opposite team who will be playing 40 plus minutes. Last thing you got any March madness thoughts? Uh, no, you know, this is our, <laughs> I, I am not so, <laughs> I am so far from being an expert as everyone knows. Um, I have not a single thought running through my empty dumb head. Uh, yeah. I apologize, but I will watch the games and do my best to enjoy them and form some thoughts so that maybe we can talk about the draft when it does come around in June and bring on some experts who are more knowledgeable than us. I fill, I filled out a bracket, Sam. You goddamn it, traitor. I, I did it because <laughs> I did it because we set up, I set up, I should say, for the Discord for our patrons, a a pool that will pay them, you know, $150 for the winner, $100 for second place, $50 for third place. If you're a patron, if you're on the Discord, we have a March Madness channel, you can sign up for that pool now. So I felt the need to pick did I know what I was doing at all when I was picking teams? No, I was mostly you, just picking based on the name of the college. Okay, I was going to ask if you picked I can't based name on... five college players now. There is a guy named, I think, Grady Dick, and I, that's the only name I know because it's a funny name. <laughs> you're such... You're you're so predictable. <laughs> as, as much as I know about college ball. Uh, so, you know, I don't know what I'll do if I win. I'll have to give the money away if I end up winning because that would be a disaster. I'm equally, not. yeah, equally distributed among all patrons. Yeah, every every patron <laughs> everyone gets, gets 50, 50 cents. Yeah. Everyone gets 50 cents for Mike. <laughs> Voila. Uh, all right, that's all we got. Um, back on Wednesday with a yes. Patreon podcast covering the games that we for, missed when we're talking for about better this one, so, yeah. or worse, uh, no matter what happens. I hope it's a happy hours. podcast. I really hope it's a happy one. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to join our uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash timeline, you can join our Discord, all that stuff. Check it out there. We appreciate you all, and we'll be back soon.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.